0: years, Adventures in Odyssey has been loved by children and parents alike. But did you know there is more than just audio dramas? This summer, with the help from friends like Wit, Connie, and Eugene, your children can hone their reading skills that spark their imagination and build their faith. At Focus on the Family Canada, we have a great selection of Adventures in Odyssey books for children of all ages. Explore a collection of Adventures in Odyssey books, audio albums, and more at shop.focusonthefamily.ca A-I-O.
1: I realized that money was in fact in control of my life, and I wept privately for the realization that I really was serving money and in love with money, not God.
2: Well that's Chuck Bentley reflecting about the mindset he once had about money and possessions, and. If you're struggling with finances in your marriage, stay tuned. We have an encouraging program for you today. This is Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Bailey, and I'm John Fuller.
3: John, we hear from so many married couples who um, struggle in this area of financial difficulty. I mean, it's in the top three, depending upon the survey you look at, but uh, financial problems are right there at the top, and uh, for whatever reason... Uh, Many husbands and wives aren't on the same page financially. You know, so often we talk about our differences and how you're extrovert and you marry an introvert, etc. Those are general principles. Mm -hmm. I know that some people, some couples don't hold true to that, and I acknowledge that. But it's true with finances, too. You usually have a spender and a saver, and that creates great conflict, Mm -hmm. especially when money's tight in the early years of marriage. But it can take, literally, years to resolve that and to do better in that area. There are some simple things you can do to get on a better pathway, and the earlier in your marriage that you do it, the better off you're going to be for obvious reasons. You'll have more peace in your home, mm-hmm. and we're going to explore those things with our guests today.
2: Yeah, Chuck and Ann Bentley have been married for over 40 years, and they say it has taken them a long, long time to work out their money and relational issues. and they're very candid about their story. Uh, Chuck is the CEO of Crown Financial Ministries and has counseled thousands of couples about finances. And uh, together with Ann, uh, he's written this book, Money Problems, Marriage Solutions, Seven Keys to Aligning Your Finances and Uniting Your Hearts. And we have copies of that here at the ministry. Uh, Focusonthefamily.ca or call 800-the letter A and the word family.
3: Chuck and Ann, welcome to Focus on the Family.
1: Uh, Thank you. It's a
3: pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you, Jim.
3: It's good to have both of you. This is that common topic. I mean, we do cover this from time to time regularly because it is one of the core problems that crop up in marriage. Uh, Describe for us, if you will, I mean, the early years for you. Kind of paint the picture for the viewers, the listeners, about where the Bentleys were at early on and what were some of those issues that uh, propped up in your marriage about finances?
1: Well, they say out of your misery comes your ministry, Jen. So uh, I would say misery describes sort of where we were. We loved each other. We met and married uh, very quickly. Uh, I asked Ann to marry me after six weeks of Hmm. knowing her.
3: Okay, hang on a second. Ann, is that true? Yes, it is. What did your mom and dad think of that?
0: Well... uh, I didn't really ask. We were, still, like, we were still in college. I knew better than to ask. Right. Um, we I'm were, sure. Oh, w- it,
3: was that a shock for you, though? I mean, I'm sure you were in love and moving that direction. But six weeks is a pretty, pretty quick moment to go, okay, do you want to make this permanent?
0: I, we were, Yeah, we were in agreement. <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: That's good. But we didn't know each other, Jim. <laughs> and we knew we loved each other. And that's always held true. We've always loved each other. Uh, But as you know, opposites attract, and then after they get married, they attack. And, you know, so (laughs) I was uh, difficult to live with. And when it came to money, I had a very stubborn view of it. So I treated Anne like I was the right opposite and she was the wrong opposite, like we're totally different. But my view was if she would just be more like me, then we would get along. You're classic. (laughs) And uh, I treated her that way for many, many years. I mean, Mm -hmm. I expected her to become like me. And so she lived under that sort of oppressive view of uh, who she was. And I don't think it allowed her to flourish. It didn't allow her to uh, contribute uh, to the financial difficulties we were having. I was causing them; she was trying to solve them, but I didn't give her the space to do that. Well, that's important. Describe
3: for us your—if I could say it this way—your financial personality. That might help hmm. us better yeah. understand you as a couple. So, Anne, what, what was your approach to money?
0: I grew up in a home of school teachers, so we were savers, and I never knew that we didn't have much growing up. You know, I was born in the '50s, so. But money back was then. tight, you know. and I, But I didn't know it, Jim. Okay, we yeah. just lived very frugally. Yeah totally different from Chuck's upbringing. Mm. And it didn't dawn on us until later in our marriage how differently we had been raised and why that had affected how we viewed money.
3: Well, what was yours, Chuck? Well, she's
1: the classic saver, and I'm the classic spender. I'm the big spender in the family. I like to spend money. Uh, I have big dreams, big goals, big ideas. If it's got four-wheel drive, camouflage, or any of those kind of things, and I would want to buy it. And uh, I'm a risk taker, I grew up in the oil and gas business. Mm-hmm. That's my family background. So when Ann and I married, I was ready to take a lot of risks. And she was always driving with her foot on the brake. So it immediately caused conflict. I really didn't even know how to save. It wasn't in my worldview that we need to save money for the future. It was we need to invest and take a lot of risk. And but more, this
3: conflict went on for quite some time, right? I mean, years. I, I mean, like a decade, like no, two decades. Two decades. <laughs> okay. No, and I think that oh, wow. you know there's a realism in that. And I appreciate that being the case because these aren't things that you can kind of unwrap easily and then put back together. And during this time, I mean, twenty years of being married to a spender when the dollars weren't necessarily there. How did you? How did you approach things? I mean. How did you go to Chuck and say, honey, we got a problem?
0: Well, I was raised in a church going home, but I was biblically illiterate. And by the grace of God, some women invited me to a Bible study, and it's where I first started learning what God said. How many years (laughs) have you
3: been married at this time?
0: Oh, goodness. I think I was 30 when I started, it was in a Bible study. At that point, we had baby number two. We'd been married nine years.
3: Okay, so nine years in, which, you know, Mm -hmm. you should have some maturing uh, signals there. But here you are in this Bible study, and what happened?
0: And then um, it wasn't immediately, but several years later, an older woman said, and she didn't even know that I was going through anything. She was talking to a group of us and just said, you know, it's not wise to nag your husbands. She said, it's always better to just pray first. Go to God with it. Hmm. Ask him. To work it out,
3: so that moment, I mean that woman said that, and then you thought about that. How did it change your behavior?
0: Oh, I started praying. I just took it to the Lord.
1: We went through a lot of financial pain, Jim. I went on the course that I thought was best for us, and so I would make investments or decisions that didn 't work out mm-hmm. and we would live on the financial edge mm-hmm. and it was It made Ann feel very insecure, mm-hmm. and looking back. I see why she was trying to get my attention, but I was just too stubborn to listen. I think I had that mindset of, I need to have the answers and I don't need to ask anybody for help. So I was insular, I was trying to figure everything out myself. I wasn't listening to her, and unbeknownst to me, she had just sort of given up. And she was praying for me that God would get my attention. And what's interesting, Jim, is even though we had a lot of financial pain, I would just double down. You know, some people go through financial pain, and they say, okay, I'm not going to do that again. I would just sort of keep that. Well, that's atti- your
3: risk-taker yeah. attitude. Yeah, you know, I I'll th- get it all back.
1: I'll get it all
0: back. Well, your solution was to just make more money.
1: Yeah, my, always. I mean, my was driven by more, yeah. and more would solve the problem. And quite frankly, I really thought it would. I thought the more successful I became— the happier Ann would become. And little did I know, Hmm. the more successful I became, the unhappier she became.
2: So, Chuck, is this where the crown financial class comes into play? I mean, when did that happen in this timeline?
1: Well, think about this. Ann had been praying for me 10, (laughs) 11 years Wow, And this crown class is announced in our church bulletin. Hold on. Can and we she back up? tricked me into it. <laughs> Can we
0: back up? This is
3: always dangerous What the wife oh. says, let's back up.
0: I, I need to back up because Chuck came home one evening and said, Ann, I want you to pick out our new house. I'm going to pick out the cars. He was in a business that he assumed, you know, that he was going to make a lot of money within the next year. That was my red flag. We had a major issue And so when I saw that our church was offering this crown course, I thought, we need it now. So you called
1: the leader. mm -hmm. Wow. And, well, at first she asked me if I would go, and I said, I'm too busy. And so she's trying to get me to go, and so I just said, okay, if they have it on Sunday night, that's the only time I have available. (laughs) And I thought that would be sort of the compromise where she, you know, would think, all right, I'm trying, but it's never going to happen.
0: So I called the uh, man who was organizing these classes, and he said, "Anne, I'm sorry I only have one class available. It's on a Sunday night. <laughs> and, and here's the catch. Anyone who agrees to attend will lead another group. I said, oh, of course, we'll do it. <laughs> so I, There was no way I was asking Chuck because yeah. I knew what he'd say.
3: Yeah, that would be a big
1: no. Right. Yeah, and so here I am. I'm going to a class. I don't know that she's pre-agreed that I will lead one <laughs> after we get through it. And I was totally obstinate. I was arrogant. I wasn't interested. I thought I knew, Jim. I thought I knew what the Bible said about money. I grew up in church, and we started opening the Word, looking at the Scripture. And by week six of that Bible study, I repented of my idolatry of money. Mm. I realized that money was, in fact, in control of my life. And Anne had not been able to help me see that, but God did. And the Holy Spirit convicted me as if I had committed the most heinous of sin against the Lord. And I wept privately for the realization that I really was serving money and in love with money, not God. Mm. And that's what changed everything. Yeah.
2: Wow. Well, what a story we're hearing today from Chuck and Ann Bentley on Focus on the Family. And they've written this book uh, that we're talking about that captures part of their story, Money Problems, Marriage Solutions, Seven Keys to Aligning Your Finances and Uniting Your Hearts. And uh, stop by focusonthefamily.ca for your copy or call 800, the letter A, and the word family.
3: Chuck, I want to pick up on that because that's a profound moment, and Mm. we need to understand that. I'm sure there are men and women that are listening who, maybe they came to that precipice, but they didn't spiritually cross over. Mm. You know, they didn't uh, feel that conviction quite the same way. How did you find that humility in that moment to say, kind of like King David, I am that man,
1: I am that man. You know, Jim, I've never met anybody else that I've known in my life in all these years of doing what I do that have repented of idolatry of money. It was something unique to me and something I didn't know was happening. And Anne didn't know how to describe it, but she sensed that was my problem. And it took the Lord to reveal to me that that's really what was going on. My heart belonged to money. And Ann wondered why I wasn't the spiritual leader of the home. Well, it's because I was worshiping money. I did my devotion with the Wall Street Journal. That's Mm -hmm. how I lived. And once the scales fell from my eyes, I just immediately saw that we had to start over from the inside out. It wasn't the money that would solve our financial problems. Mm -hmm. We had to solve them as a couple together. And so we started just rebuilding from the very, very basics of our marriage. After 20 years of marriage, it started fresh. Mm. And we were just talking this morning before we came here. It's been a miracle. God did a complete transformational miracle. And I would say apart from my original salvation, repenting of the love of money has been the most transformative thing that's ever happened to me. Mm.
2: Yeah. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
3: In those early years, um, when I came to know the Lord, um, he, he and his family were so against it that they actually advised him to divorce me. Joy spent many lonely years trying to trust God and love her husband well. Thankfully, she found the support and encouragement she needed. I think that God just really used focus on the family um, and your guys' ministry to grow me and um, prepare me and
0: um, guide my heart to live out um, in front of my husband what it means to follow Christ.
3: And the best news of all is that Joy's husband also became a follower of Jesus. I'm Jim Daly. When we work together, we can strengthen more marriages like Joy's and give families hope. Please call 800 the letter a in the word family That's 800-A-FAMILY. Or donate today at focusonthefamily.ca slash give.
2: Searching for the right insurance at the right price isn't always a quick click on the internet. Deeks Insurance has been a licensed insurance brokerage since before Googling was a thing. So if you're looking to save on auto insurance that includes multi-vehicle discounts and first accident forgiveness or home coverage with enhanced water options, then start your search by typing Deeks Insurance. You'll already start saving on time spent searching the internet for the best insurance. Visit deeksinsurance.ca to get started with a quote. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family.
3: Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. And that transformation, I mean, you prayed for nine, ten years Mm -hmm. for that moment to occur. Um, It has to be a little surreal. Is this really happening? Is he really making that change? Is he, you know, are we going to move in a better direction? Something that, you know, in your heart you were hoping for. How did that feel to hear Chuck talk about his sin in that way after you'd been praying for him for so long? I mean, were you hesitant or were you embracing or were you both? uh...
0: I was just um, grateful
1: Hmm. because
0: I saw the faithfulness of God at that time. Yeah. Uh, It was an emotional time for both of us. And we were surrounded with Um, People who were praying for us at the same time in that crown group. I mean, he got on his knees in in the group and Mm. wept. Mm. So, um, you know, it took time. There were big changes. I think I was pregnant with the number four at the time.
3: Four boys. (laughs) So I was
0: emotional anyway, you know.
3: (laughs) Well, I just, I so appreciate that honesty because I can imagine it came with a bundle of good and bad thinking, okay, is this really going to be a change or is it going to be... A few days and then back to normal. And I'm sure at times it's a roller coaster ride because those are habits. You know habits. what,
0: Jim? I think for me, it was all good. <laughs> That's good to hear. It was all good. Yeah.
1: You know, Jim, I'm reliving that moment because not only did I repent before the Lord, but I needed to repent before Anne for treating her the way I did. And I began to accept her. I realized she had been right and I had been wrong and i grew to so deeply appreciate her willingness to persevere through my arrogance uh, my stubbornness my demanding my way and sort of living on the edge and I, I it's like i looked at her one day and i thought oh my goodness you're exactly what god knew i needed i needed you hmm. to be complete and she had just persevered long enough till i realized what a wonderful beautiful godly asset that she was as my wife and that's why we wrote this about marriage because we were just really operating on half of the horsepower of our relationship because she was excluded from helping man and once we came together everything changed dramatically our intimacy our ability to get along our financials uh, changed. I mean, we, you know, we weren't in financial trouble, but in a sense, we were because we were. So, I was so far off of God's path that I was going in the wrong direction, and yeah. that and that's what brought us back together as a couple. And it's there's so
3: many elements here: the stubbornness of man's heart, and what I appreciate about what you're expressing. There has to come a breaking point. And that's what intrigues me about your story, your ability to zero in. Through your idolatry, through your uh, pride, God gave you that ability to see what was true. And that changes everybody's life, right? When you have that experience, bang, that's the difference. And that's what becoming a Christian is like. All of a sudden, the book is not talking about other people. It's talking about you, Mm -hmm. and you realize it. And you go wow that is my heart mm-hmm. let's move to the practical help you had seven keys to uniting in marriage and we're not going to be able to cover them all in a few minutes here but let's start that and then encourage people to get the book which mm-hmm. is great it's a quick read uh, money problems marriage solutions seven keys to aligning your finances and uniting uh, your hearts i mean that's a pretty bold proposition but let's get into it the first was peacemaker
1: I think that I was avoiding peacemaking, and we realized that as long as we stayed in conflict, we would never make progress. And so we came up with some ways to practically put that into action. I tell people, if one of you is a peacemaker, you'll survive your marriage. But if both of you are peacemakers, you'll start to thrive. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with the first to apologize is the bravest. First to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest and so we sort of had this little thing going of who would apologize first because you know it's so interesting how hard it is to apologize when you've offended each
0: other so even today when to apologize i have to go away and think about it before i i want to apologize <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. come naturally mm-hmm.
3: well and you want to make sure it's true i could tell yes. that you and gene have very similar hearts mm-hmm. you want to make sure if you apologize it's coming from the core of my being yes. right. it's not superficial
1: yeah. So the baseline is we started to make peace with each other so we could attack the problem. Secondly, mm-hmm. I had to go through a redefinition of prosperity. Mm-hmm. What it got and this me, is the second the financial second, priority. The second priority, because what had happened to me is uh, prosperity was how much was in the bank account, and it was all external. The next bonus, the, the next uh, investment, everything that I considered prosperity was wrong. Ann's definition was in the home. And so we went to Jeremiah 29 and looked at this. You, know, you get to the famous verse, verse 11. You know, that everybody says, you know, they want to claim as, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, and plans to give you hope in the future. Well, it says before that, here's how you do that. You build a house, settle down, plant a garden, eat from your own garden, marry, and have sons and daughters. And he says, then pursue prosperity in the city where I've called you, stop listening to deceivers, then I'll prosper you. Mm -hmm. Well, prosperity was in our family, Jim. And we flipped over and started to see that God said, if you marry and have children, he will prosper you. And so there was an apologetic for marriage. Young people today think that if they live apart, they can do better financially. All the data says no. In fact, people do better financially if they do get married than any other living arrangement. Right. And so we wanted to redefine what we believed prosperity was according to the scripture. And that changed my focus completely to being in the home instead of out of the home.
3: Right. And again, you've covered one and two. Three, discovering life's purpose. You're touching on that as well, I think, in that regard.
1: Well, we realized money was not our purpose. Uh, for me, it had been. Making a lot of money is not your purpose in life. Money is? is a tool to support your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God. Yeah, we that's a faithful. great
3: position. And, uh, you know, I hope people are absorbing that. We're going to, again, I apologize we're running through these, but get the book. I mean, that's the 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 main point here. Uh, number four was God's philosophy of money. Uh, quickly describe that.
1: Well, Anne had a philosophy of money coming from her frugal background. I had a philosophy of money coming from a risk orientation. And we couldn't agree. No way we could agree with each other. But we realized God has a philosophy of money. We decided to dedicate ourselves to knowing what the Bible said about money, and that's what brought us into unity.
3: Um number 5 was respecting your spouse's personality. You certainly have described that, how that evolved for the two of you, but I want to double down as a risk taker in marriage, Chuck. It's really critical that we get to know our spouse as best as we can and to respect the differences, not attack the differences.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, we realized we were we were opposite in every possible way. But that was good. When we realized that that could be an asset, that helped.
1: Well, I put Ann in charge of paying the bills, Jim. She's the detail person. In fact, there's a Harvard study that says if one of the people in the marriage is picky and detail-oriented, you'll do better financially, but put them in charge. Well, that's Ann. She's detail-oriented. And I started to bring her in and take advantage of how God wired her. We never are late on any bill now. When I was in charge, we were always late.
3: Right. That's interesting. I mean, go with the strengths of the couple, right? Wh- whoever does whatever best. Number six was create a unified financial plan. Uh, what are the basic elements there?
1: Well, first of all, we decided to make giving our highest financial priority, Jim. We flipped over the idea of from how much could we accumulate to how much could we give away in our lifetime. And we have lived that out, which is totally contrary to the way that we used to think about money.
0: Mm -hmm. I felt like if you could trust God, then it would work. (laughs) He would help us make it work.
1: Mm -hmm. And he
3: did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, the final key to make uh, marriage and finances work is establishing a process that ensures success. And I I would imagine you're starting from spiritual success and then working down. One of the things you implemented was called red light, green light. And I love this. And I think every couple should do this because it's so simple, but effective.
1: Well, Ann, I'm going to describe some of it, and I'd like you to describe a little bit of it, maybe tell the story of how we We need examples. Okay. (laughs) Well, just real quickly, what happened was when we were trying to make a financial decision, we set a threshold of $250 or more. If it involved a spending of $250 or greater, then we would both need to agree. Well, what would happen if Ann didn't agree with me, then I would just debate her until she did. (laughs) And she just got so tired of that. Mm-hmm. So one day she said, look, let's use the stoplights. If I say red, then it's no, we're not going to do it. If either one of us say red, if it's yellow, we're going to wait and pray and just trust the Lord. If we're both green, then we'll go ahead and do it. I yeah, said, very and, 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 simple, but very, very simple. effective. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, again, the, these are all great things that we've talked about, and your honesty has been wonderful, especially your 20-year struggle mm-hmm. to do better. I mean, what if we as Christian couples had that attitude about every area of our life? You know, Lord, I'm giving this to you. Help my spouse. And then that revelation that comes at some point, you being faithful in that prayer, and then your spouse going, wow, i just... You know, the Lord just shared this with me. What do you think? Oh, I've been praying about that for 10 years. (laughs) But in intimacy, in finances, in how we deal with in-laws, how we deal with friends as a couple, Mm -hmm. those are all the stressors and how how we get along as couples can stress us out. Rather than it being a thriving environment, which is what we want uh, couples to have, it becomes contentious. Mm -hmm. And so many young couples today give up so early. And I'm thinking of that couple that's in their late 20s or 30s, and that wife is beginning to pray, but she's withering Mm -hmm. like a flower that's dying, and Mm -hmm. she's not willing to stick with it till God answers that prayer. And my heart breaks because we get those phone calls every day, and our Hope Restored Marriage Intensive is filled with couples like that. This is the last hope they have. And I would just encourage you as a couple, if that's where you're at, contact us. I mean, this is a winsome way of how to get through financial difficulty. But there are some serious uh, solutions here that Chuck and Ann have described in their book, Money Problems, Marriage Solutions, Seven Keys to Aligning Your Finances and Uniting Your Hearts. I would say that's the Lord's call for all of us as married couples, to unite our hearts and to behave in the ways that he would like us to behave. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing the story.
0: Thank you for having
1: us. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Thank you, John.
2: And we hope that you'll follow up and get a copy of this great book, as Jim has said, uh, Money Problems, Marriage Solutions. We do have that. And when you get the book from Focus on the Family, you're investing in our efforts to strengthen marriages and uh, to save babies and to help parents raise thriving kids. It's all available at focusonthefamily.ca or call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.